0: Hello, I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we're going to close out our visit in the state of Iowa with, I think it's an unsolved mystery. It is unsolved. It's a famous unsolved mystery.
1: Way to spoil it. Oh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the killer was not. (laughs) (laughs) So joining me tonight is actually the polar bear.
1: Oh, okay. Hello. (laughs) I made it. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah.
0: What you been doing this summer?
1: Not a lot.
0: Because it's like a whole month, I think.
1: Yeah. A lot of working. We did a little bit of traveling, but not a lot. Did you go to Arkansas? No. Okay. All right. Maybe next year. Okay.
0: Because <laughs> I thought I saw something about Arkansas.
1: Memories. Oh. Yeah.
0: But I mean, obviously not you because you're from the Ukraine and you're nobody's visiting Ukraine these days. <laughs> no. So. But your I grandparents mean, are okay, right?
1: They're doing fine so far. They're staying out of the way. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I mean but whatever okay all right well i'm glad they're staying out of the way (laughs) yeah but uh so anyways we are talking about um iowa iowa
1: state of corn and pork and uh the metal band slipknot oh in case you know like them oh okay. i mean uh, no 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 (laughs) let's just
0: clarify i'm not familiar (laughs) with them so i don't have a preference okay for them okay so, okay, the, let's talk um, the murders. And I think so an axe was involved.
1: Yes, it's an axe murder, which, I mean, who would have thought? So, the town of Villisca, Iowa, a small town in 1912.
0: 1912. So, we're not even in World War I. No. So, we're talking super, is it a rural, super, I, mean, it's a, I mean. It's a pretty
1: good town. Pretty big town. I actually have it right here. It is a town of approximately 2,500 people. Okay. It is a town where everyone knew each other. They were friendly and welcoming. And it's actually a fairly wealthy town because most homes had a telephone and electricity in there.
0: What about indoor plumbing? Is uh, that yeah? That's a good question. Okay. You <laughs> don't know. Okay. So the Vice.
1: Velisca. Velisca? Yeah. On June 9th, 1912, it was a town where stranger could, welco- could be welcomed with open arms and treated to a warm meal and a place to sleep. However, on the morning of June tenth, all that would change. Our journey takes us to a home owned by Josiah B. Moore, a private business owner. There he lived with his wife, Sarah Moore. Together they had four children, Herman, age 11, Mary, age 10, Arthur, 7, and Paul, who was 5.
0: So one daughter? Yes. So what kind of business did he own?
1: He was a store owner. He was a, like he a, had his own store. Oh, okay. So in the evening of June 9th, the family were at an event at their local church called the Children's Day program hosted by our own our very own Sarah Moore. At this time, church events were big deal and were attended by many in the community. After church at approximately 21.30, Mary invited her... 21.30? Yeah. Uh, 10.30? 9.30. 9.30, okay. Yeah. For us non-military <laughs> <Sorry>. folks. 9.30, <laughs> Mary invited her two friends o- for a sleepover. Ina Stillinger, who was 8, and Lena Stillinger, who was 12. Some say that the reason for the invitation was because they were too afraid to walk home in the dark. But it could have been... Where were their parents? At home. It was a it was a children's day at church, so I'm assuming they just dropped it. off But 9:30 at mm-hmm. night and we're
0: talking an 8 and 12-year-old? Yeah. Who does
1: that? It's a quiet town. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: okay. This is already going south.
1: Yeah. Either way, I mean, Josiah did a responsible thing and he called the girl's parents to ask for permission. Parents were out, but he got permission from their older sister who insisted that it was fine for them to sleep over. Family and the two guests. Wait, 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 wait. Holds ups. <laughs>
0: the f- parents were out. Where were they? The eleven wow. in Iowa in nineteen eleven. Date night. <laughs> Where?
1: <laughs> Drop the kids off at church, and I don't know, go see a uh, motion picture. I don't know. Those weren't around yet, huh?
0: Pictures, pictures, Mo-
1: motion pictures. Yeah. It might have been. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Wow,
0: this is so. I don't even know right now. Yeah, it's
1: just kind of. It's just a weird setting, but.
0: Yes. Yes. It's not like they had, like, restaurants right around the corner at 930 at night.
1: But, I mean, it was a quiet town. So, they I mean, everybody was comfortable with everything, you know. Nothing ever happened. You know, the local law enforcement wasn't trained in processing murder scenes, so on and so forth, you know.
0: Okay, as we're about to find out, apparently. <laughs> okay, so, sorry. Okay, so the big sister says no probs. Yeah,
1: it's fine. They can stay over. So then the family and their two guests walked to the Moore residence and everything was going as good as it could have. The next morning, June 10th, 1912, Moore's neighbor, Mary Peckham, was doing her morning chores at about five in the morning and noted. Jesus Christ, five in the morning. Right. I'm not (laughs) even
0: conscious at five in the morning.
1: And she noted that no one was up. And about it, the more residents. So, unlike today, where I could stay in bed until noon, and no one would even bat an eye. In 1912, and in that community, it was bizarre that a family wasn't up. There were chores to be done, animals to be fed, and Mrs. Pagham, I mean, continued with her chores for another few hours. But at about 7 a.m., that's when it really started to bother her.
0: Oh, because <laughs> it bothered the neighbor that the people weren't Yeah, at? yeah, you know. Like bothered like something's not right or like these these are lazy mofos. I
1: feel like I feel like maybe it was both. Okay. Like obviously it's not right that they're not out, but if she's But doing I mean
0: chores. This is a farming community, so obviously yeah. you're right. Yeah, as far yes, as
1: they as had chickens and stuff like that. Cows needed to be milked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, th- I mean there's a there's a routine that everyone followed and so, you know, when when oh, you so don't show up all of a sudden
0: You're not following the the routine. (laughs) Something's wrong with you. Not that you're dead. Okay.
1: Right. So, I mean, that really started to bother her that the moors weren't up, you know. So she decided to go check on the family. She approached the house and knocked on the door. There was no answer. She pushed on the door and found it locked. You know, who would have thought? Locked door. Uh, Mrs. Peckham uh, noticed that all curtains were drawn shut. And the windows on the door were covered up. There was no way to see inside. Worried, she called Josiah's brother Rossmore. While waiting on Rossmore, she did her neighborly I don't know, duties. <laughs> let the chickens out of the coop. I guess she was nice.
0: So she decided to help out a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: help out. Probably uh,
0: kind of snooping around to see if they get up or oh, I'm,
1: sure. I'm I'm sure.
0: But I mean, let to be fair, she probably wasn't expecting what's gonna happen next.
1: Of course. So Ross Moore, who everybody called Ross, knocked, the same, with no response, and he ended up utilizing an extra key to get into the house. Inside the house, he found it completely dark and hard to see. Then in the guest bedroom, he discovered two dead bodies with blood all over the headboard. He immediately notified local law enforcement. He didn't even go looking any further. So he sees the two. He ran out.
0: Did he recognize the two or just saw the blood and...
1: He just saw the blood and left. The thing about their bodies was that their heads were covered by a blanket or an article of clothing. Okay. So every... So that's interesting. Yeah.
0: Because that's like, I think if they cover their... It's it's like they knew them. Mm-hmm. They have like remorse. Like there's shame involved. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a profiler or an analyst of crime scenes.
1: Right, and that that was another thing. They have all these clues, but then nothing ever becomes of it. It's kind of, all right. You know,
0: I wonder if they still have, I mean, I'm obviously getting way off topic now, Mm -hmm. but I wonder if they still have crime scene, especially like blood samples. Mm
1: -hmm. Because
0: it would be curious to see what kind of DNA shows Mm -hmm. now. 100 years, 120 years. you know, 11 years later, but whatever. Right. Okay, but getting ahead. Sorry. So,
1: so yeah, let's, let's get in there. So the local law enforcement was a marshal by the name of Henry Horton or Hank. Hank searched the residence and discovered that all the members of the house and the two ge- guest girls that stayed the night were murdered. They were bludgeoned to death.
0: So who were in the guest
1: room? That was the two girls that stayed the night.
0: Okay, so they didn't stay with Mary?
1: No. Okay. I guess a little sensory warning. I don't know. I don't know why you gave me all these topics uh, <laughs> with dead children. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like you just you just want me to talk about Singling the polar bear out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, in the guest room, Ina and Lena were found with their heads crushed in with a blood and brain tissue all over the pillows. Lena was hanging a third of the way off the bed with her gown pulled up above her waist and her underwear was underneath the bed. Her sister was positioned in a strange way. She was facing her sister, uh, Lena, and her rear was rotated in a direction of like the center of the room where in the center of the room there was a kerosene lamp that was sitting on the... On the floor.
0: So we think the perpetrator did that?
1: Yes. So, so do we think
0: the children were sexually assaulted?
1: Uh, I'd, I'd,
0: okay, you're getting there.
1: Yeah. So the kerosene lamp was sitting in the middle of the floor. There was also a bundle of bacon wrapped in a towel that was sitting on the floor, which is weird. That was like the strangest thing about this whole was thing. Was it cooked bacon? No, uncooked. Like okay. taken out of the freezer and just sitting on the floor. There was another slab of bacon inside the freezer as well.
0: Do they think they did anything with the bacon to hurt people?
1: We'll find out. Okay. (laughs) So one of the theories is that the killer arranged the bodies in that manner for his own pleasure viewing and possibly utilized the bacon grease as lubricant for masturbation. Some people think he used it as like an artificial light type thing okay however so the, ch-
0: the girls weren't assaulted
1: no however, there was no evidence of sexual misconduct and no other body bodily fluids found on the scene
0: but they found his semen no
1: no they just assume because of the way the body was positioned and the grease so okay th- they have no idea why that bacon in, was there and of course
0: in tw- in 20 in nineteen eleven that's not even a thing
1: mm-hmm
0: Bodily fluids for, uh, you know, taking bodily fluids from evidence yeah. from crime scenes is not even a concept yet.
1: Uh, so. But they know it m- like. Maybe there was. Like. Yeah, maybe there wasn't. Maybe there wasn't. I, I couldn't find anything on it. Another theory is that Lena was the only one that woke up during the murders. And she, and that's why she was, the, she was dead in the position she was in. She also looked like she had defensive wounds. On her forearms. Okay. But that doesn't explain anything else. Or why the underwear was under the bed. Or anything else.
0: So. Well this it does show that he's a fucking perv.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the murder weapon. A long handled axe that belonged to Josiah Moore. Was found in the guest bedroom. With the two girls. It was partially wiped clean. And left leaning on the wall. That makes me believe that the guest girls were the last ones to get murdered, to where yes. he just wiped the axe clean and just left it in there.
0: But why? We weren't taking fingerprints back then.
1: He just wiped it. It wasn't, it wasn't completely clean. It was just like, he took towel and like wiped it partially clean, wiped the blood off of so it. So did a slappy-ass job. Yeah. For
0: what benefit? That doesn't make sense to, it, to me. I was going to say sense. that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. a third fucking person. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: There was... There was also a full plate of food sitting on the counter next to a bowl of bloody water. Like, he made food, like he maybe he was going to eat, or maybe it was leftovers from the night before or whatever. But the bowl of bloody water indicated that he was trying to wash up, wash the blood off of himself.
0: Mm, I wonder if he got hurt, like he cut his hand.
1: Could be, or I mean, that was. I'm sure there was a bunch of blood from the victims and he was just trying to wash his hands at least. Um, All the other victims were found in their beds with their heads smashed in by a blunt end of the axe. It was discovered that Josiah and Sarah took the most hits to the head. The evidence showed that the killer returned to their room more than once to deal extra damage to their bodies. It is possible that while he was working on one of the other victims, he heard groans in the parents' bedroom and came back to finish the job. Both of them were struck anywhere from 20 to 30 times. Sarah Moore was the only one with obvious gashes in her head, indicated the killer used the sharp end of the axe on her. There were chips in the ceiling of the parents' room from the axe swings.
0: So this is baffling to me because looking at assaulting somebody with an axe, let's say you and I are in the bed together, Mm-hmm. Even if the attacker hits you first, the probability, especially if he's hitting so hard and raising up the axe so hard and he's chipping away at our ceiling,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to hear
1: the <laughs> disturbance right? the with you
0: right next to me. Yeah.
1: So, yes, yeah, some of the theories think that he hit every person once to, to and did enough damage to kill him or, you and know, grant them. them. Yeah. Okay. And then came back around and smashed and crushed whatever and then the chips in the ceiling they think that like they didn't they didn't line up with the swings you know so they think he was just waving the axe around frantically and then the dust particles landed on the you know on the crime scene so they knew that happened exactly at the same time as the crime did um but yeah the
0: so, the, so just to be clear, the the particles fell on the wounded bodies. Right, yeah. To so, confirm.
1: So yeah, that was... That's so how nobody they heard. I mean, because he
0: must have done that. <laughs> that don't even make sense either. If you're chipping away at my ceiling, the kids don't hear
1: that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another theory that was like a fan theory was that he, he drugged the family's food. And then that's why they were sound asleep
0: but from what the out. they went they were at church till 9 30
1: right and he, there's evidence that he was in the building in the house oh waiting for them home. okay he okay for them yeah
0: okay sorry to just be skipping ahead
1: <laughs> it's all good so another peculiar thing about the crime scene like we talked earlier about the faces being covered but it, there was also all the mirrors and windows in the house were covered by curtains or random articles of clothing that the killer found in the moore residence there were also two cigarette butts found in the attic which leads investigators to believe that the killer was in the house for quite some time waiting for the family go to, to go to sleep
0: now that's interesting because that's the other thing i can't imagine the walls are thick
1: mm-hmm. we're talking
0: yeah. buildings in 1911 it, so we're talking thin walls i
1: saw the video cuz the the house now is a uh, axe murder house it's a museum type thing so you right. can go visit it Uh, I was watching, like, a Ghost Hunter thing. It is not a—I mean, it it has, like, two stories type thing, but it's not very big. Like, if you're in the living room, like, you can totally hear everything that's going on in the guest bedroom and whatever else, yeah. So
0: they didn't smell the cigarette smoke and go, what the—was the husband a smoke? Do we know that?
1: We don't know that. Okay.
0: I mean, because that— to me, would make sense. What well, makes
1: sense? Yeah, he goes up in the attic and gets yeah. away, smokes a couple of cigarettes. For right. His I mean, that's just waiters. That's possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: And you know, if I, I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems odd to me that nobody heard anything else in the house,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then the smoke. And it's curious. I mean, it's obviously the two girls, the two visitors, was just there by unfortunate chance.
1: Yeah, just coincidence. But their their bodies were the ones that were most disturbed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's gonna know. You know, do we have whereabouts of mom and dad for the two girls? Okay. No, we don't, or you don't. I don't. Okay, <laughs> so we don't know the whereabouts of the two the parents of the two girls. Okay. Um. Because it just so were the other ones covered as well, or just the two visitors?
1: All, all of the all of them were covered. All of their faces were covered. So
0: I wonder if they covered. He covered their faces for shame.
1: Maybe he just
0: and the wind and the mirrors for shame. He didn't want to see his.
1: Yeah, what he did. So after discovering all this on his way out of the house, Hank stated, "My God, Ross, there was somebody murdered in every bed." So while getting the corner, Hank you know, blabbermouth Hank mentioned that about the murders to some people in town. And then the gossip spread through and the phone operators notified everyone. This is when you called and you got that lady on the phone. Like, how may I collect your call? Right. So they flipped on the all call switch and told everybody. Everyone in town knew what happened. So. The town essentially shut down. A crowd of people made their way to the Moor House. There was close to 100 people running through the Moor House, looking at the dead bodies. Oh, my
0: God.
1: Disturbing evidence. And Hank, the marshal, was by himself. He's trying to keep him out. But once he secures one door, there's 30 more people coming in through the, through the other. And the people got there before the coroner did.
0: Good job, Hank.
1: <laughs> Within a week of the murders, you couldn't find a door lock or a gun in stock on the market because they were all bought out. People panicked. The peace that once ruled the town was gone.
0: You know, I mean, that was just stupid. But, I mean, on some degree, I honestly don't know how they did police work back then in That's terms of well. how they got... well. <laughs> To me, it's all primitive prior to fingerprints and DNA and the kind of things that they can. So
1: at this time, um, there were actually there w- were agencies that were starting to do fingerprints. Okay. So then the um someone actually came by and tried to do fingerprints, but that's a whole other. You've already had
0: a hundred people go through that house. Yeah, yeah. You've just totally contaminated ruined yeah i mean (laughs) fucking a Uh, dna all over
1: (laughs) so from now on i have suspects and why they are suspects and why they would have killed the moore family
0: is any of them like a disgruntled ex-employee
1: ex-boss ex-boss yeah so so let's go into this guy right now okay so frank jones he was an elected official. He ended up being elected as Iowa State Senator. Um, he was Josiah's boss for many years. Josiah worked for Frank in his implement store. After a while, Josiah felt that he wasn't compensated enough for the sales to bring to the company. He asked for a raise and was turned down by Frank. Frank pretty much said, can't give you a raise, you know.
0: Polar bear would say, "Go fuck your face." Yeah,
1: start my own store, which is what <laughs> Josiah did. So a while after Josiah quit and started a rival store, that venture worked out fairly well. Well, for Josiah, he his business was going good. He even ended up taking some of Frank Jones's business. So. Well, uh, Isaiah is the salesman. I think you meant Josiah. Okay, all right, all right, all right.
0: Sorry, I am following along, okay?
1: Because Josiah started his own store and, you know, ended up pulling a bunch of the business. He was a good salesman. And, you know, part of the reason why Frank Jones made so much money, it actually led to a lot of bad blood between the two. They didn't speak to each other. And it was said by the town people that if they were walking down the same street One of them would cross the road so they wouldn't have to talk or interact with one another.
0: Right, or see the other's face.
1: Right. So then Frank Jones became senator and everything. It was also rumored that Frank Jones' son and daughter-in-law had a run-in with Josiah as well. So his daughter-in-law was kind of a floozy. So while his son went to work, the operators kind of vouched for it she would get a lot of phone calls from different men. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they stayed in on the phone for a long time. And and they
0: probably listened in, by the way.
1: Yeah, you know, that was the t- town's gossip with, with th- those girls.
0: And something tells me she wasn't up at 5 <laughs> in the morning doing her fucking chores.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there was an incident where her Frank Jones' son f- caught his wife with somebody else. Not in the act, but somebody else was over, and they knocked over the phone so the operator ladies could hear everything, all the commotion that was going on.
0: Plus, the commotion plus. Yeah. And, you know, the (laughs) woo-woos.
1: So, anyway, but Josiah was one of her most frequent callers. And, you know, the phone... What? Yeah, yeah, so the phone operators believe that there was some kind of affair going on between Josiah and Frank jo- Jones' daughter-in-law.
0: Are you fucking kidding me? The man has four children. He's married to Susan. <laughs> but it, it does actually kind of bring up a quick question. The uh, Did they ever think at one point in time this was a double job?
1: Like two people did it? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. So there were some, there was even some little bit pieces of evidence that was more than one person involved. So, you know, after the marshal went through and did all his stuff and, you know, it it ended up turning into a cold case you know, there was not enough evidence for anything. Frank Jones, the Senator of Iowa, who had bad blood with Josiah, he went out of his way and he paid to bring prized bloodhounds over from Illinois, I believe, to track the crime. So they, you know, they sniffed around the house and they end up leading everyone to the river. There was like a river nearby and they did that a couple times and every time they would lead him to the river. Okay, so. so so I don't know if that was like, oh, look at me, I'm a good senator. I'm we're doing either these gentlemen,
0: right, 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 right. I'm a good Samaritan, I don't care right.
1: or was it, hey, I'm gonna just throw throw them off my tracks type thing,
0: but were' either one of these men smokers?
1: I don't collect that evidence <laughs> as, <laughs> as as thoroughly as you do.
0: <laughs> so, is it possible that they hired a crazy man
1: yeah. to do it? so there were there were other suspects. So at this point, you know, everybody forgot about. Well, they didn't forget, but everybody kind of gave up. Everybody gave up, and except for the families of the murdered, so Ross, the brother, and then the parents of the two guest girls, they actually raised a bunch of money and they hired a private investigator, Wilkerson.
0: So this is some after some time has passed. And after
1: some time has passed,
0: because I mean, this is pretty fucking brutal. You have six dead people, but four of them are children. All under the age of, I think, 12.
1: Yeah, 12 was the oldest one.
0: And this is supposed to be in a town where you can walk in and get a free meal. Mm-hmm. That's how friendly right. and you know community-oriented this, this mindset was at this time. And, okay, so they hire a private investigator.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about this guy. This guy's a fucking weirdo. You're going to like this. Uh, Reverend George Kelly. So G- Reverend George Kelly was a traveling minister in a town for, for, for the night. He actually attended Sarah Moore's Children's Day program that night. And uh, Kelly was known to have a mental illness. He was described as a strange, scrawny man, and he had some, some holes in his past. He was accused of peeping on young ladies. He also asked young ladies that applied for jobs with him. Supposed nude forum. Kelly left town about five in the morning that morning of the murders on a train. He was uh, greatly fascinated with the more murders. And then a witness at some point said that he talked about murders on the train before the bodies were even discovered. Kelly was the only person actually tried for the Velisca murders. He even confessed, described in detail what happened. He said that. God told him to do it, that God was calling those kids home. His confession was dismissed based on his mental health. It was presumed he made most of the story up, and he was acquitted by the jury. Kelly was arrested for sending inappropriate material through the mail to a woman that applied for a job with him, and so he got arrested for sexual harassment. But this guy, for... Like, before I started reading on everything else, I really thought this guy did it. Like, he's a freaking weirdo. He does all this weird shit. He confessed. And then the jury said, nah, you didn't do it. What? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So.
0: But he knew, did he know actual details?
1: He he described details, but they, they thought he made them up.
0: But he was discussing them on a 5 a.m. Or discussing
1: uh, allegedly, yeah, he, he talked. He mentioned it to the passengers on the train that morning
0: before the bodies were discovered. Yeah. And you know, all this Mrs. information Peabody.
1: comes in way later on down the line, so we don't know how credible any of it was. At th- at this point, everybody was accusing how, everybody.
0: How long was the the thing at the church? Because A if hours, he was, I
1: don't know what time it started.
0: Because if he was laying in wait, he must have left the church a couple of hours. But how would he know? Which house was which, there or exactly. anything like that. Yeah. It's not like the mailman had their post office box right in front. Mm-hmm. It's not how it worked back then. Still doing the Pony Express in
1: 1911. Yeah. So, we weren't. So yeah. But. I thought this guy did it. I was like, this guy confessed. He did all this stuff. I was like, oh, God. He's the guy. Me. Yeah, he's the guy. Okay. So, I but don't know. But he's not. But oh, the jury found the, him. The no. jury said no.
0: Okay, you can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes here. Uh, there, yeah.
1: <laughs> so then this guy, William Mansfield. So the, the private investigator Wilkerson that I talked about, he came to the town. He posed to somebody else, and he started asking questions, and he started looking looking for stuff, and he was convinced that William Mansfield was hired by Frank Jones to kill the Moore family. This is actually a kind of fun fact. That William Mansfield, he had he got a nickname Blackie from one of like the reporters or something. Mm-hmm. And people that haven't actually seen Mansfield, who was white, assumed he was dark complected. So then, because of like what's going on, they they had they had a whole kind of winch hunt. People were looking for this killer. Who they assumed like, was black like the whole town well before you know they they were just looking for killers they were they started their own like armed patrol type things looking looking for this guy right so now with the nickname like that, they assumed it's black so whatever few families lived in Villisca actually got ran out
0: you mean a few black families
1: yeah, a few black families got ran out by the townspeople.
0: Simply because,
1: just because assumption of this, on the somebody gave this guy white people's a, part here nickname Blackie, and, yeah, and uh, had nothing he, to do with anything.
0: Race wise, probably because he's a black heart, yeah. as in dark heart.
1: You know, however, he had an alibi that he was working in Illinois at the time, and his time card reflected that. Then R. H. Thrope, an Iowa restaurant owner identified mansfield as getting on the train the morning of the murders so the the investigation ended up not going anywhere but it kind of canceled out his alibi faked time card i want to say right Uh, when you
0: have someone who can id you in town that morning
1: yeah so it is completely possible that william mansfield was there to murder them and then there was another lady well
0: i have a question. Do we know if the railroad tracks is near the river? No,
1: I didn't. I didn't look it up.
0: Okay, I mean, because if that's where the dogs led them,
1: it's all it's all one town. the The r- railroad station is in town, so is the right. river. So, not a very big town, right? It's circled funny. around. Got on the train by,
0: mm-hmm. right, right, right.
1: So yeah, so there was another lady that was going to testify that Wilkerson had as you know his ace in the hole she was going to say that she heard three men talking in the woods about the murders you know that were kind of planning it out and one of them was our senator Frank Jones okay and then you know the the alibi came out that he was in Illinois and then people were like well maybe maybe we didn't see them maybe we just saw a random three people and all all the you know, evidence or all the testimonies just kind of started to disintegrate at that point. Another guy was uh, Henry Lee Moore. Had no relation to the Moore family. The reason he was a suspect is because he was convicted of the murder of his mother and grandmother several several months after Williska mort- murders. And they were murdered in a very similar fashion. With, the, uh, a- with an axe. axe to the head. And all the mirrors were covered. Okay, well. So both cases had a lot of similarities. And then the very last theory that I have is uh, around this time, 1911, 1912, was a bunch of axe murders happening along the South Pacific Railroad.
0: So they were using the train to get around.
1: And that's what I'm thinking. It, it's possible that it was a serial killer that had nothing to do with anything that hopped on the train, chose a random house. Saw that it was wait, empty. Yeah, waited, killed everyone, hopped back on the train, and kept going.
0: That's possible. I mean, we and have truck drivers was, who do yeah, that.
1: Yeah, and they they ha- they looked at other murders throughout United States done with a very similar manner. Because, like, I mean, let's say— I asked you to do a chore, you know, go chop wood. You're going to go chop wood, right? And then somebody else asked me to go chop wood. I'll go chop wood, but I'll do it in a completely different way that's comfortable, you know, comfortable for me.
0: Right. Your version, my version. Right.
1: So seeing these murders being done the same way, they're like, this is possibly the same guy.
0: Right. And I mean, we're not talking a whole lot of, even in 1911, despite the, the, telephone being in use, we're still not talking about a speedy uh, venue of communication mm-hmm. and or relaying important information. I mean, now you just type up something, you can send it on your phone and they have it or take a picture or something and then they have it. Right. In, in an instant.
1: Mm-hmm. We're
0: talking still 111 years ag- ago where, I mean, you have to go through the operator and they have to be home. Mm-hmm. or they have to be wherever the telephone is to answer so it's not a guarantee
1: right and i mean different departments don't like communicating with the other department and the absolutely not don't talk to the police. it's all the about police doesn't talk to the sheriff right. so on and so forth
0: you know it's all about male <laughs> jurisdiction
1: <laughs> yeah so i wish i had more closure for you i wish i had more closure for myself well my good instinct
0: says uh jonesy's Jonesy had something to do with it. I,
1: that's you know that's where I was leaning, and I mean obviously that's why I wrote the <laughs> my story that way. And I feel like he used his position, position senator. as senator, a senator, to get his assassins or whoever else off the hook.
0: I mean, all you need to do is contact Williams' work and say, "Hey, I'm a senator. <laughs> I need you to do me this favor." Yeah,
1: punch this time card.
0: Right, name your price. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, that is what we have for you tonight on to business.
1: Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. We're on Facebook on the page of where the dark corners are. Leave a like, leave a comment. Or if you want to join, please send us a request. If you have any other interesting topics you'd like us to discuss, write us an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com.
0: Alright, final thoughts, panda, polar. It's
1: okay. <laughs> oh, oh, he's not even here. All right, he abandoned th- you.
0: <laughs> final thoughts, polar bear. Uh,
1: no, I just wish I had more closure.
0: So I think it was either Jones or a serial killer. A rando serial killer. But we don't know. Well it's like the doll of tough pass. Well <laughs> we may never know. All right. So, until next time, please remember: only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why we hope to meet you where the dark corners are. Let me see what's going on with her. my or Oreo. Come
1: in. Come here for a cookie. (laughs) Don't talk to Daisy like that.
0: No. (laughs) That dog is a nightmare. (laughs) Okay. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Five o'clock in the morning. Well, uh, Isaiah is the salesman. The people tend to follow their salesman.
1: Have I been mispronouncing his own name the whole time?
0: Can I say it? What have you been calling
1: him? Josiah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You said Isaiah, so I didn't know. Oh, <laughs> shit. Did I say Okay. Sorry.
0: I am following along. Okay. So Fred Jones, who also is the name of the leader of the Scooby-Doo gang, but obviously <laughs> not related to this scenario.
1: Right. Planning it out. And one of them was our Senator. Fred Frank, Jones. Frank Jones. Frank? Frank. I
0: thought you said Fred.
1: Oh, no. Frank. Jesus. Oh, so the whole Scooby Doo reference? Not yeah, it's not gone. Bad, bad thing. Frank <laughs> Jones. Sorry,
0: <laughs> I am following along. Okay.